Welcome back, everyone, to That Is Effin' Weird. I am one of your hosts, Alex. And I'm Tristan. And today we have a special guest on to help us kind of dive into the unknown. Her name is Brooke. Brooke, thank you for coming onto the show. Hi, happy to be here. And we're going to be covering what is known as the People's Paradise or Jim Jones. They're kind of one and the same. Um, Brooke, talking a little bit with you before we came onto the show and everything, you seem to know, you seem to know, like, you know a lot about this. So tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and about this subject that we're going to cover. Um, awesome. Yeah. So my background, formal education, uh, in criminal justice, um, and I've been a true crime lover, I think, uh, since most of my life, I would say. So and what kind of drew me into cults is I uh, did a deep dive into, you know, trying to understand what happened to good people all the time. Um, yeah, so, uh, so he started the Pe- People's Temple in um, 1956. He was 25. And, you know, it started out from a pretty great place. You know, he, he talked about things, you know, racial equality. Um, had social justice programs, food pantries, clothing drives, you know, these type of things, and talked about subjects that people weren't talking about. You know, it seemed to concern him that Sunday was the most segregated day of the week. Mm -hmm. And that is what initially definitely drew me in to Jim Jones. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and like, that's, that's the thing, too, is, like, the fact that he was he was doing so much what it seemed like as far as like he was giving back he was he was trying to make i guess like cuz it was pretty crazy times back then cuz you said it was the 50s correct yes yeah in in the 50s it was it was it was pretty crazy back then so like having someone preach what you know what seemed to be like this this perfect world and everything this like this area or this this place where you can just you know, be accepted. I mean, that had to have appealed to a lot of people. And it did because he had what, like over hundreds and hundreds of followers. Um, so yeah, I can, I can see why that's appealing. Now, do you know when and where this started? So it, it started in the 1950s, but exactly where did it start? So it started in, in, in Indianapolis, Indiana. That is where um, he's from. Well, not not oh. Indianapolis. He's from um, I can never say the name of the town, but Creighty, Indiana. <laughs> Preach what whatever. I'm from the South. Okay, I got Southern accent. It's gonna be what it's gonna be. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and I would if if you would like, you know, I can give a little bit of backstory because I definitely don't think you can, you know, understand Jonestown without kind of understanding a little bit of the history with how Jim Jones grew up. Oh, please, please do. Wasn't he just a very um, unique child, to say the least, if I understand <laughs> um, correctly? I think, I think that's a nice way of putting it, unique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's, um, so, you know, so his dad was severely wounded in World War I, um, was a, described as a racist and an alcoholic. Mom worked mm. two jobs. Um, you know, so dad also worked on top of all this. So 
he definitely didn't get a whole lot of attention. And I definitely think that has played into some of these other other things we see. Um, you know, in, in high school, there would people would comment, you know, he always hung out with children who were a lot younger than him. He would hold these church service type events with other children. I mean, he would collect and kill small animals and hold funerals for him. You know, so we see a lot of these, a lot of these signs already that, hmm, yeah, unique is the word for sure. Um, oh yeah, I, I was not, I was not aware of <laughs> his past. <laughs> yeah, you start, you start kind of looking into some of the things before, and then you get less shocked as we go through the story. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of, a lot of times that I definitely think someone could have intervened in the situation. Well, I. I mean, you would think that someone would have or someone should have, but it's almost like it seemed like the like resources and the the type of help that we have today was not necessarily the thing back then where it was like, you know, uh, to put this in like a crude way, but it was almost like just like, hey, just man up or, you know, like who cares or like they they look the other way in a right. sense where it's like oh no he's just a boys being boys or you know like what's wrong with that in the sense it's almost like spanking kids where it's like that's not necessarily the norm anymore where that used to be something that was like normal like that happened to everyone um well i'm not gonna say everybody but i i mean yeah it would have been nice, like you were saying, if someone would have intervened back then, because then we wouldn't have had what happened. Right. It would not have escalated to where we to to where we yeah. ended up in the situation. Um, and, you know, too, with him being so charismatic and honestly, probably a relatively fun person to be around. You know, mm-hmm. I think he kind of, you know, sidestepped some of these. I think people overlooked some of these things because he could talk his way out of things. And, yeah. you know, it was just... I think that definitely worked to his advantage more than anything else. <laughs> now, was was he did he go to college too to like study like how to be a like a pastor or a priest cuz that was ultimately what what he ended up doing, correct? Or no? Um so so pastor would be the title and we'll use that. Okay. <laughs> loosely yeah. for the time. Yeah. <laughs> but um but so he so so he was enrolled um at the Indiana University. Um and just a little side note, he was 16 and he did marry a woman who was 5 years older than him while they worked at a oh, hospital wow. together. Mhm. So really? he, so he has some game too, I guess. Somewhere in there. Um, so, you know, so, and they got married, like, right after high school. So then they both actually enrolled in school. Um, she, I mean, she continued on her education, became a nurse. He ditched college and decided that he was going to be a Methodist uh, student minister. Okay. How far did he make it through college? From what I have read, not far enough to... <laughs> to 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 have any sort of GPA or anything, but um he had originally enrolled to be a doctor. Oh wow. So okay. you know, so you can already kind of see this, you know, wanting some form of power, you know, and control. Mm-hmm. I mean you can kind of see this stuff early on. Um so yeah it from what I have read, he definitely was not enrolled long before he dropped okay. out and decided that there might be a better path to get to what he wants to do instead of being a doctor. Or an easier path. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, a little bit easier. 
And then, so he, so he went to school to be a doctor. That didn't work out. He dropped out and then became loosely a pastor. And then from, from that point, how long was it before he started the, uh, the people's temple? Was it something where he tried to be a pastor at a couple different churches and then that just wasn't working out and then he wanted to start his own thing? So he kind of tried out different religions, how we, you know, how I know I tried out different haircuts in high school and college (laughs) and different hair colors. Um, It's kind of, you know, so he tried out quite a few different sects of Christianity. Um, And like when he did, when he was a Methodist pastor, um, the, the church that he was associated with did not want black um, congregates. Mm-hmm. So that is what, you know, pushed him away from that. So and and he was doing those things at 21. So and then he starts um, the People's Temple at 25. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of of time here, you know, but he just never could find the right fit. Yeah. And, you know, and if you think about it, you know, he was very progressive for that time. I mean, they were not they I mean, it was still very segregated. You know, I mean, you still had segregation so it's it's yeah no i would i would definitely agree or like he was he was ahead of his time and almost like what we had talked about a little bit ago was like that had to have been like a fresh like you know like you know it, it was nice probably to see that in something or like in a church where it was like hey anyone's accepted here it doesn't matter you're everyone's welcome so i'm sure that was appealing to a lot of different people um, so when did it, cause it was in California too. Like he, that's where he picked up and left finally. Or when, when did he move to California? Yes. So definitely a good bit of this was in California. Um, so he starts it in, in Indianapolis and, you know, definitely grows a pretty large inner racial congregation um and then we see this shift where he ends up in mendocino i can never say some of these places okay (laughs) county in california don't don't worry we we mess up on words all the time on the show so don't feel you can drag my southern accent it is fine okay um so you know and what originally draws him to california is there was an article in esquire magazine where it was labeled one of the best places to survive a nuclear attack Yes, um, that was that is what drew him to this county. That that's right because that's ultimately what he thought was going to happen, and that's why he went to South America was because like that's where he thought like like they were going to be away from like the nuclear war if something like that were to break out. Correct. So kind of you will you will see to all the parts of the story there is the reason that is given (laughs) and then the deeper reasoning like them moving to california they also had more liberal welfare laws so Mm -hmm. so you know their followers could move there and get on welfare and give more money to the church Mm, okay now is that something that he methodically planned or was that something like when he got there he's like oh I can start doing this. So I, you know, we we look at a lot of cult followers as being these these masterminds, and a lot of times mm-hmm. they're not. Sometimes they get lucky <laughs> and they're planning one step one step at a time, like 
everybody else out here. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely think he saw that as an advantage, you know, because, you know, people, but in, in Indiana, I mean, people were already, you know, signing over their houses to, to him, to the church, to him, but, you know, and their, and their checks, their savings. I mean, people are already funding this. Church. That's, that's, that is just, I, I cannot now like, I, I don't know. Like, I want to say that like, I would believe in something that much to be like, I want to give everything I have to this. But like that, to to give everything, like your savings, your house, just everything, that is, it takes like a certain person to get someone to do that. Like, I don't know. Like, his, I don't know what he had to say. I wish I would know a little bit more. Like, I wish I could see. Now, maybe you can maybe you know this does it is there online anywhere where it shows one of his like his sermons or one of his like times that he's preaching and everything yes um i have listened to a few on youtube okay so they're they're on youtube i got yes. i just didn't dig it hard enough okay i'll i'll definitely have to take a listen to that cuz it would be interesting to see like how he talked to his followers and to like, his congregation he's that like southern baptist thing going on doesn't he yes very very pentecostal very Pentecostal and fire and brimstone and, you know, yeah. And, and he did a lot of things around miracles where he would, you know, pretend to, if someone, you know, didn't walk, right. And he would bring them up and he would make them walk. And then you find out later from, you know, other people, from eyewitness accounts and people who were in, there and involved in all this that he would have a conversation sometimes with someone before and say, you know, I want you to get up and walk, you know, pretend you can't walk and get up and walk. And, you know, these people thought they were doing a good thing, you know, I mean, cause he's like, you know, it'll bring more people in, we'll get more people saved. And so people are doing things that they wouldn't do under normal circumstances. And I, I was just I was just thinking that, like, do you think they went along with it because of what he was saying? Like, more people will be saved. You're actually doing something good by faking this. I mean, yeah. And I mean, all these, all the cults that I have looked at and studied, which has probably been more than is a healthy amount, um, all, <laughs> all generally follow the same arc. You know, we kind of start at this point where they get started and some people laugh at them. I mean, like when Heaven's Gate started, they were like, what are you talking about? This, mm. this, you know, meteorite is come all this craziness, you know, and no one, no one took it seriously. And then they hit this point where they do get a few loyal followers and then we see it starting to pick up speed and then the the shift always goes and this is what happened with Jamestown where you're preaching about this this messiah um or this god and then you and then you know Jim Jones became the messiah mhm and but that's like that is just crazy cuz like you were talking about like the heaven's gate thing there was not nearly as many people as Jim Jones got to follow him like Jim Jones had hundreds and hundreds of followers where like I feel like all these other cults. Now, there's only one other cult that I can think of. I can't remember the name of it. Um, oh, what was it? It's they were from India, and they came over to the oh, United yeah. States. The guys in the Washington or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wild Wild Country. Like, 
people from the documentary yeah, where they so. all wore red. Yes, um, yes. I know who you're talking. I can never. I can look. Names are my not my strong suit. Okay, <laughs> but yes. They had like a whole community, and like they, I would say, were it bigger. Like they might have been bigger than the Jim Jones thing, but I just feel like to, to have Jim Jones, like just hundreds of followers and everything, into to do all this, it's just amazing. I'm, I don't want to say amazing. It's impressive. I don't know. Just words. <laughs> yes, it's impressive. Thank you. <laughs> well, wasn't the inclusionary aspect a big part of why that happened? Um, I'd seen some things where, like, even the people that were joining, even if they didn't think much of Jim, Jim Jones, it was more the fact that, like, there were all these white and black people in the 60s all just getting together and just getting along, and there were no issues. And, like, that was what drew a lot of people in. And then once it just kind of started, it snowballed. Yes, I mean, I would always, I classify this as it was a religion for people who didn't like religion, <laughs> you know, because that's they were. That's a that. good way to, that's <laughs> a good way to put it. Because it was, you know, I mean, there were, there were hippies. I mean, there were, you know, older black people, you know, all kinds of children. There was, you didn't see this back then, you know, today it sounds crazy mm. to have this conversation, but, you know, we're in a time where, you know, Rosa Parks said no on the bus in 1955. This stuff is going on in the 60s. We're not, you know, we're not that far ahead, you know? So all these things, a lot of these people have never heard of, you know? And you're telling, and you're a white man, you know, telling a black person that we're equal in the eyes Mm -hmm. of God or we're equal in the eyes of of myself. It's not a concept that people, that people were hearing back then. And so... My my next question too is so he had he has his following he's he's getting all this support and everything. At what point in the United States? Because that is the I feel like wasn't that the whole point of them moving down to South America too? Like at one point there were some allegations or like people started looking into like what he was doing. Uh, yes, so some defectors came out and mm. was you okay. know talking about things that up until this point no one knew because he he was very well known politically i mean there were you know people were really liking his message i mean he helped a few of the businesses change some of their uh racial practices you know i mean he uh-huh. he was doing a lot more than i think people you know even realized i mean i mean like the mayor saying his praises, the governor. I mean, there were lots of people who he rubbed shoulders with that, you know, you'd be surprised about. Um, so, yeah, so what ended up happening, stories were coming out of some of the um, people in the congregation um, being beat for violating some of the church rules. You know, it came out how people were giving up their savings and homes. And, you know, sometimes people would decide to follow him and would a mom would pack up her kids and leave her husband and and just leave. I mean, pack what they could in the car and would go join them. You know, people were doing things that were very out of character. And it was bringing up, you know, all of the all of their concerns Um, and. Things definitely shifted. Um, can I talk about sex on here? Can I say that? Can I? Yeah, say, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I <laughs> so he was doing things like requiring some of the some of his followers to be celibate while he picked some of the mm. others. You know, some of their sexual partners. Um, he was he was having sex with everyone. Uh, 
Everybody. Oh, yeah, Did, I heard. Yeah. Didn't he claim that, like, he was the only heterosexual man? It wasn't, wasn't that a thing that he had yes, said? Yes, he kind of, you you see this 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 shift, you know, as definitely when he's talking about we should follow the Messiah to now that is me. Yeah. So did did that happen before they left? Yes. Like was that like was so was that like the tipping point almost of like all right I'm the one you should follow listen to me let's get out of here now. So there was there was a little bit of time. Um, what ended up happening? All these things ended up coming to light in an article that was mm-hmm. going to be released um, in a magazine our journalists were catching wind they were talking to people who had left the defectors and all of this um and oddly enough uh jim jones had bought a 25-year lease in guyana um over three thousand acres of jungle <laughs> so oh okay i always thought <laughs> maybe i just didn't do enough research i always thought they just picked a random spot on the map and just went there and they just started building. I did not know that he actually purchased the land. Didn't that have to do with the, um, the nuclear Holocaust thing? Isn't that one of the other safest places in the world would be Guyana? Um, yes. So, you know, he, I, I think this was kind of in the works, but I don't, I think that's the reasoning that was given, but with these things that were starting to come to light, people were asking more questions um, I think he kind of foresaw, you know, things maybe taking a turn pretty quickly. So, okay. Um, All right. So so he had that, and he sent um, a group to go head down there and start working. I mean, they were working on Jonestown for about four years before Jim went, which a lot of people don't know that. But But when Jim got there, there was already a few buildings and structures and they had livestock and they were already starting to garden and have food. And so some of these things were already in place. Now, did he ever visit, like visit there before actually moving down there? Or like, was it a very like, now in my mind, I'm thinking like everyone just picked up and went down there all at once. But was it a very slow like movement where like handfuls of people would go like a couple a year or something like that until like everyone was there? So no, you're actually you're you're right with with um like the article Jim got wind that that article was going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. And so did kind of pack up overnight and take about a thousand people there <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> overnight they say so however that looks but literally they left in the middle of the night oh and my went. god how i don't even know how you can organize that like that is to me is amazing that like you can tell all of your your followers or like all just a bunch of people like a thousand people like hey guess what we're, we're going tonight pack up your things that's amazing well, I think I think when you have, you know, a group of people who are all, I mean, they're all mostly living together, eating together. I mean, you know, they're very involved with each other. You know, it's it would be, I think, a little easier than probably sending a text today, you know, because all these people are already <laughs> I mean, they're they're already around each other. That That's true. That That's true. But like, I just like I think about like. If you just like take work, for example, like anywhere you work, like just getting everyone on the same page and just like to meet up or like 
even for this podcast or whatever, just like organizing times that fit with everyone like that, that takes some work. Now imagine a thousand people like that, that had to, and like, like you were saying, they didn't have text messages. They had like phones and people to like go drive and find everyone. But I think you are right too, where it was like most of the people were living close by each other or living with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yes, they, they did have like communal living and those type of things set up. Now it wasn't all in one building. I mean, all a thousand people weren't staying in one place, obviously. <laughs> but you know, yeah. they so they did have multiple California. I mean, they they were growing pretty pretty quickly. I mean, I don't getting exact numbers for those type of things have has been challenging because you know yeah. who's to say who is a loyal follower and who has just come on Christmas and Easter to church so yeah. you know um so yeah i've never found exact numbers but i just have always read that it it kept growing and kept growing that they had multiple headquarters in california before they did pack up and move okay now something like i, I don't want to get off topic too much but kind of taking a few steps back now was the you said he got married now did he stay with the same woman the entire time or did he did he get a divorce or anything like that? Or because I, I do remember his wife being like a very intricate part of Jamestown or of uh, the people's temple. Yes. So so he kept the same wife, Marceline, okay. if I'm saying that right. Um, Marceline. So yeah, he kept uh-huh. her. I mean, from from when they got married when he was 18 and she committed suicide the same at, at Jonestown. So they stay together the whole time. Now, um, I have seen different documentaries and read different things. I mean, he definitely had other lovers, if you will. Um, you know, and I mean, and there were there were a few other women in Jamestown who, you know, would consider themselves probably a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she she was loyal to him from the beginning. Okay. And that's what it seemed like, too, from like what I read in like, because I'd, I'd seen a documentary about it too, that she really, it seemed like she really supported him and like, you know, was there for him like through all of this. Um, I just, I, he was very good at targeting, you know, I, I definitely women, you know, but targeting people who he knew he could control. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I guess that's what makes him a cult leader. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's how we, yeah. Yeah, so that's how we end up here. You know, but, you know, she was supportive. And, I mean, he was probably, I haven't read anything about him being a bad husband. You know, he was probably not, mm-hmm. like we've talked about, you know, not a terrible guy. Um, and they were the first uh, white couple in their state to adopt a black child. Yeah, you're no, you were t- you were telling me that. Um, yeah, you know, so they were they were very progressive and forward thinking, which I mean, I love. Like I listen to their early sermons, and we get to a point in the story where I'm like, no, I'm good. But a good bit of it, <laughs> I you know, I would have gone to this church. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would have been there. You know, I don't I don't think Jonestown would have worked out because they had food shortages and that wouldn't have worked for me. That's another thing I want to bring up too was the the fact that like I feel like that was one of the things that was the ultimate downfall was that a lot of people were getting overworked overworked and underfed there too. Yes, but that's also a cult tactic. That's also a tactic. You know, you work these people to the bone. You know, they can't 
they can't get with other people and try to leave. You know, if you can't give them, if, if they, if we look at the hierarchy of needs, you know, if you, if they're barely meeting their bottom of food, shelter, water, they're not going to be looking at the top of, you know, this place sucks. This is not a good idea. We need to get together and leave, you know, because they're so focused on, you know, only getting, they have to eat. And mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's definitely a tactic that, that cult leaders use. I mean, yeah. you see that, you know, all the time. I mean, and you're working people 12 hours a day. I mean, sometimes more. I mean, these people didn't stop working in this town because you couldn't because you're in the middle of the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, how do you know how far away they were from the nearest city or town or anything? Seven miles. Really? Yes. Uh, and seven miles of jungle. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, not, not seven miles. You can hop in your car and drive down the road. No, no, no. Seven miles eaten. <laughs> It wasn't a, it was a Georgetown that was the next closest, like fairly major settlement. They had like a base there, right? Um, yes. So Georgetown, they, they did have a um, headquarters there. And that was, that's the only other city that you hear about in the story because they, they did have a headquarters there. Um, yeah. And had a basketball tournament there. That's, that's why some of Jim Jones kids were not there when the massacre happened. Yeah. His son was there, right? Yeah. yeah. He had, he had three sons who were at the, the basketball tournament. I don't know if it was a church league. I don't know if they started the league. I don't know. I can't get it. I, I have looked for information on what kind of <laughs> basketball league was this? Who are they playing? Yeah. I have so many questions about the basketball league that <laughs> no one can seem to answer. I recognize it's not important in this whole story, but I, I find it important and I want to know. Wasn't it like a PR stunt? Like the whole thing was like him sending his son and those people out to Georgetown to play against the natives, I think is what they referred to them as, um, to prove that the people from Jonestown, it was just a PR stunt, right? Uh, that's at least what I read. So that that could very much be the case. I mean, I know that, you know, I know that the massacre wasn't planned for that, you know, for that day when that happened. So it could have totally been, you know, on a side note, you know, that's something that they wanted to do, but it didn't play into anything there was any any of the other more important events that happened that day all right <laughs> so how long was everyone living there like how long was this this place up and running for exactly like how many years so the the land is bought in 1974 um, takes them about four years where they're starting to work on it. Um, it's it's a smaller group goes, and then Jim arrives, and then everything happens on in 1978. So we're not we're not here a very long time, but I think in the jungle that <laughs> that's probably a significant amount of time. Like a long time. So he was so he wasn't even there for an, an entire year before everything kind of came crumbling down. Um, no. So one of the one of the people who went in the first group who was there for the first little bit, um, mm -hmm. what you know came out and said the best time here was before Jim got here. This was the best time they had. <laughs> they they had plenty of food. They were having fun. I mean, they literally like one of the followers was like everything kind of went to hell when Jim showed up. <laughs> and what like it, why is that? Like it, what did he do 
when he got there, that made it so much worse when he actually did get there. Because I mean, they were they were following right. him, so everything should have been great in in theory. So I guess like yeah, what was he doing? So well, he showed up with a thousand people that I don't know if they were expecting. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if they had the food and means for a thousand people to come right then. You know, because they didn't get a whole lot of notice they were coming. Um, so yeah. you know, Jim shows up, and you know, it's like there's a food shortage because it's not just him; it's all these other people. You know, they get there, they have to give up their passports, all their belongings, all their medication, you know. So I think, and this is just opinion, you know, I feel like that the whole atmosphere changes, you know, because then you feel like you're almost being held hostage. I was saying it goes from like a communal thing, which is the whole thing he wanted, to like a totalitarian thing real quick. Right, exactly. You know, it goes from, you know, people are having fun and they want to do this and they want to provide, you know, these things, you know, school and a hospital and all these things that they are building to make this utopia and then jim gets there and all these people get there who you know they've already established their routine and what they got going on and then you have all these people show up who have no idea what is happening (laughs) yeah well and i i never read or i didn't ever see anything where it was like they never had enough room it's enough room for everybody it seemed like at least for that i mean like again i don't know I, maybe you could set, shed some light on this. Was it to the point where like they had to put like multiple bunks in all these rooms and people were like sleeping on top of each other or was it the space? Um, no, it was definitely, I mean, people were in bunks. Um, you know, I have read accounts okay. of, you know, you work for 12 hours, I sleep, we switch, you know, however many hours, you know, people were switching. I mean, and you know, that kind of strips people out of their uh, individuality, you know? And I think that, I mean, it's another cult tactic, you know? Because you have nothing to, you you have nothing that's yours. Yeah. And you feel like, you know, everything that you have is because it's been given to you by Jim, ultimately, is what I think a lot of these people were kind of feeling. Mm Mm-hmm. And wasn't, like, another thing that he would do is just, like, random points throughout the night, he would, like, make everyone come to, like, this like big gazebo area and he would just talk to them for like hours and just like in the middle of the night. Yes. We are getting to the exciting stuff now. Yes. He would hold white <laughs> nights. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's, that's what they were called. You know, he would come on the intercom system and everyone would have to meet underneath that gigantic gazebo and they would do mass suicide practices. He would preach for hours. Um, and I mean, you know, like they would practice. I mean, they would drink Kool-Aid that they were told was poison and it wasn't. And, you know, again, these are all these are all power and control tactics. You know, you're keeping people exhausted. They're working all day. They're not sleeping. And then you're doing this mental game of, you know, people are thinking that they might die. And it's just practice. So a lot of things, because in my mind, like before, like think like just before diving into any research or like knowing too much, because I knew very little before I actually started doing a little bit of research before we started talking, it seemed like everything was great there, but everyone was just so devoted to him that they would do anything that he said. But it actually, in turn, it turns out that the living conditions 
what he was doing to him psychologically and physically were just wearing all of these people down. Yes, I mean, and that was and that was definitely planned to be that way. But you see the pictures and the videos of the kids singing and everyone smiling and they're picking fruits and vegetables. And, you know, this place looks great. This place looks fun. They look like they're they're successful. Yeah. And they actually have this utopia. And that's what, you know, people talked about is, you know, the idea was there. And I mean, I think at the very start, I think, you know, they may have been on that on that path. But as we see on that arc, you know, you kind of get to the top and then things start unraveling and falling apart, which mm-hmm. is which is what happens here as well. So, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people were told, you know, to smile for those pictures and to do all the things that were in in those videos. They were they were directed to do that stuff. So he had his own like film and like camera crew to essentially like publicize like how great it was there. Yes, because, I mean, you know, most Colt's goal is going to be, you know, to recruit as many people as possible. But that's something that I just I don't understand is that, like, he kept preaching that he wanted to be left alone and like, it's just like not be like he wanted to be out of the public eye. So why would he go through all this effort to like make it look like it was the best place there? Like, I, I just don't understand that. Like, why wouldn't you just try to like just cut off from all, you know, social media, not social media, but like the media, just like all the press and everything like that. I just, I don't understand. Unless it was something where maybe was he giving this stuff to like tell people like, here, send this stuff to your families or like, do you think government officials were at, cause I do know that that, that congressman eventually went down there. Right. Do you think he was trying to like prep like all this stuff and be like, Hey, look at how happy everyone is here. So, you know, I think it's, you know, similar to the to the Nazis, you know, like recording everything in the sense of, you know, I think somewhere in Jim Jones minds, you know, he doesn't he thinks is going to turn out great, you know, and he's like, I want to document mm-hmm. this so that we have this so we can show people, you know, I did this. We did this. Um, and I mean, it would be it would be very rational to, you know, go down there and cut ties but, you know, alas, yeah. we're not dealing with someone who's too rational. And, you know, getting out of the public eye, he wanted to be out of the public eye from from people who were going to question him. Not mm-hmm. not his little, you know, if, if you're going to follow him, come come right on. This is what we do, you know, come here and live here. But for all these people who are starting to question him and, you know, try to figure out what's going on and see that things aren't quite making sense. He's like, no, y'all can just stay there. Y'all don't have to come. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't have to see yeah. anything we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I, another question that I have, I don't know if you can answer this is like, who, who, who got to pick who got to go to Georgetown and live in that headquarters? Did he pick them or was this something where it was like, it was switched out. Like it was a rotating thing, almost like the daily work. Or was it, do you know anything about that? So um, the one who went was a woman with four children. Um, Her name was Sharon. Um, And, you know, a lot of times, you know, Jim Jones would kind of keep his inner circle and then would kind of have like the layers out from that. So from what I have Mm -hmm. understood, you know, different people would go there at different times and, you know, do recruitment or 
um, you know, possibly contact people back in America. Um, and so I, I have not understood that, that, that she was the only one to go, like the one who was okay. there during this time. Okay. Okay. But, you know, as as we kind of transition, you know, and get closer to the end of this story, you know, Jim Jones is not thinking clearly. I mean, he so everyone gets there and they have to give up all their medications. Do you think those medications got got passed back out to them? No. <laughs> no, no. Plot twist. No, they did not. And Jim Jones was on everything that he could get his hands on. Valium, a barbiturate, speed, LSD. Who? Whoever had anything, he was going to take it. So, you know, not only are things unraveling around him, but, you know, he's breaking under the pressure. Mm-hmm. So that, that ultimately, like, the fact that he was taking all of these drugs, being, like, paranoid about, like, press and, like, people, like, leaving and all, all just, like, all this stuff was just mounting up. To eventually where he just he just cracks. But what isn't it the congressman or is it a congressman or is it a senator it that goes down there? Congressman Leo Ryan goes. Okay. And so okay, so what ends up happening is there are, you know, some people back um here in the United States who have family members there and they can't get a hold of them or some of them have been able to talk to them and it's like they've been getting these scripted responses they don't know what's going on um and they cause enough of a stir you know with the press and and they reach out to the congressman and because they they're like something is wrong we don't know what Mm -hmm. but something you know is not adding up and these people have just you know our family members have just left and that's not in their character and they're not like responding to our letters and just all these things started kind of unraveling here. Um, and people were getting concerned about their family members. And especially after that article came out and you know, all these terrible things had been happening here in California. So who knows what's happening at Jonestown at this point. Um, so that's yeah. what gets the congressman involved and he goes with a few other family members um a few journalists and a film crew go down there okay um they they show up um and jim jones i don't i don't know how long that they knew that they were coming but they did know they were coming before they got there but i don't i don't know how long it that they do do you do you think it was something where when a family or like one of the members was in Georgetown that like had a family member coming down, like they said that to them, like, Hey, like, do you think it's possible? Like, Hey, I'm coming down um, to see you, how you're doing and everything. And then just Jim Jones got word of it. Like, Oh, Hey, we have people coming down here to see us. Um, that, that very possibly, I just, from what I have read that, you know, they came and and um, the People's Temple, you know, did have a group come and pick them up at the airport. So I think they knew the congressman was coming. Now, now what ended up transpiring was not the plan at all. Um, so the congressman and their small group, um, I think it's nine people, I think, um, go. And, you know they have put on this whole production for them. Ultimately they come and everyone's smiling. This is great. And we don't know what you're talking about. People want to leave, you know, this is crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but things start out fine. You know, they're, they're staying, hanging out and 
someone slips the congressman a note that says 16 people want to leave and they're not allowed to leave. And we're not allowed to leave. Like, we want to come back with you. Oh, really? Yes. And that is where we see the beginning of all these events from the day. Because all this happened same okay. day. Yes. So it was, it was the fact that the congressman came down there, showed up, and then Jim Jones like made everyone kind of put on a, a show, essentially, that like, hey, this place is great. But then somebody slips the congressman a note. And then how many people, you said it was 16. Now, did all 16 of those um, people that wanted to leave, did they all get to leave? Um, they got to go with the congressman to the plane. Now, leaving, we'll say loosely. Okay. They, they, they physically left Jonestown, um, you know, because Jim Jones was like, you know, go. I mean, and and what's he going to say in front of a congressman and, you know, all these people? He's on camera, you know. He can't mm-hmm. say on camera, no, you're not allowed to leave because then, then we've got a whole other set of issues, you know. Now, do you think – because my thing is, is that – Okay, yes, he couldn't hold him there. But what was he so afraid about as far as like the congressman doing? Because they were in a completely different country. It's not like he could have been like, all right, we're going to get the U.S. military or a bunch of FBI agents down here. I mean, I, again, I, I don't know the whole, I, I guess I don't know their protocol or anything like that. But to me, it seems like if, if someone's going to go into another country, they have to follow that country's rules. So it's, I feel like, I don't know. I, I I just don't know how that would all work or why he was so so worried about it. Um, I think I think the fear of confrontation. Oh, okay. You know, because you know, because we see, you know, he leaves Indiana, goes to California, really before anyone can ask questions, he goes to California and he pieces out in the middle of the night and before he has to answer any questions of the things that have that have come out. Um, and I think kind of that fall from grace, I mean, is a lot for people to handle socially, you know, even if he never, even if he never does any time in jail, mm-hmm. which I'm sure he would have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if he was in California, he would 100% have been arrested. So, you know, I definitely, he definitely suffered from paranoia. Now, whether that was from the drugs or whether he was self-medicating, mm-hmm. possibly, uh, you know, long-term mental illness. Okay. That's what it is. What it sounds like to me was that he was self-medicating. Um, you know, something that would definitely cause some of the paranoia and things like that. Because I mean, we see this this switch. Mm-hmm. You know, of you know, he gets down here, and even before the congressman comes, you know, with these white nights he's doing where they're staying up all night, you know, he starts talking about you know, all these different groups coming to get them. Oh, okay. You know, coming to hurt them, coming to take their children. You know, he's, he's saying all these things that aren't true, but he's limiting the, the access of what mail and what things are coming in. So these people have no idea what's happening in the United States or what's going on, but they're being told, you know, all kinds of things are happening here in the States that aren't happening. Okay. Now, did he ever say like nuclear war was actually going on or anything like that? Like, I, I don't know if he's he, if he did, um, but to me that seems like something he would do. <laughs> um, it would not shock me. 
I am not, I'm not sure if he has specifically said there is a nuclear war happening like right now in the States, but you know, these people had no access to any sort of news or anything. So he was saying that different events were going on that they could not prove or disprove. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Now you said that the 16 people got to leave and go to the plane. Now I, I, I'm not going to spoil it or anything like that. I know, like I know what happens at the airport, <laughs> but do you want to ex- explain what what happened? Um, yes. Okay. So the group of people get there, and I'll be honest with you, I am not sure if all 16 people do go. Everyone who who um, the congressman, you know, said whoever wants to leave can come with me now. Mm-hmm. Um, did go. So I, I'm not sure if it was the 16 that the note said, but everyone who raised their hand at that point when he when he asked want, left, got to leave. Okay. Um, so yeah, okay. So they get back. So they get to the um, airplane strip. That's yep. the word? The, the, yeah. okay. Airstrip. There we go. There we go. It's fine. <laughs> Words are hard sometimes. Okay. So they show up. Um, there's two planes there ready to take them away. Um, they are met with gunfire from Jonestown followers and, um, the congressman passes away and some of the other people die. I forget the exact number of how many people, um, are shot down and, die but there are quite a few wounded out of the group um but they who who can make it they get to the second plane okay the plane that's behind and they get on the plane and they're like get us out of here right this second. <laughs> right we are not playing any games you know so they're on the plane and, and they're coming back um so you know and i'm i don't know if you've seen the pictures of the airstrip, but you can see, you know, some of the bodies out there. And mm-hmm. I think it's just the one plane that you see at that point um, yep. that doesn't leave. So this, of course, sparks terror in Jonestown. And they, you know, call the huge meeting. And Jim Jones looks at his people and is like, look at what we've done. We, because we have all had a hand in the decision that you just made. So he he made his followers think that they were a part of what just all happened down like down at the airstrip. Yes. Oh yes. wow. And one of the biggest things with that was that he was saying that the FBI, that you know, the CIA, you know, everyone, they were gonna come and take their children. They were gonna come and get them. Mm-hmm. And you know, he starts throwing out different terms. You hear revol- rep- revolutionary suicide, <laughs> protecting the conditions of an inhumane world. You start hearing these phrases, right? This conversation. Mm-hmm. And this is this. I think it's like a 43 minute video that is on YouTube. Um, you yeah. can go and, and you can listen to the final um, to where they actually start handing out the Kool-Aid. We will get to in a second. Sorry. Sorry, so I, I didn't mean it to ruin it for anyone who doesn't know. So he, so he starts. So it, there's a 45 minute video of him, like preaching about like what just had happened and what they need to do and all this on on YouTube. Yes. Oh wow, I gotta I gotta look that up. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> it is on, and it was, and it is worth listening to the Definitely. 40 
43 minutes of yes um and you know so you hear this this conversation he's and he's kind of pleading with the people you know that they that if that if we can't die no if we can't live in peace then then we must die in peace uh-huh. and you know you start hearing you know people crying in the background and you hear one woman say you know what about russia you know because he has told them all these things you know that if that if this doesn't work here you know that we can just go to russia you know you can just pack up and go like sorry that's not how that works you know but you know <laughs> but these people because they don't know what's going on anywhere in the world they don't know yeah so you know it could be you know in their minds it is possible they could go to russia so so this really sweet woman and i forgot her name you know she's talking to him and she's like you know what about russia you know and the babies you know we can't kill the babies and you know he's talking about you know if we don't do something about it now they're gonna come and kill us and take your babies Mm. um you know and he's just it's just total manipulation in the worst way these people they don't know anything else that is going on so they cannot they can't disprove anything and ultimately you know they feel like we just had a hand in killing a congressman. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think one of the other things, too, that kind of adds to this is like a lot of people were there with family members, too, or like what they considered to be like really close friends, family members. And they were all agreeing with what Jim with what Jim Jones was saying and preaching and like almost being like, hey, we got we got to, you know, end it peacefully. And they were agreeing with them. Like, I think that has to be probably one of the hardest aspects. Just like, I know if any of my family members or if like all of them were like, Hey, you got, you got to listen to them. You got to drink the juice. I think that would be really tough for me because it is, there was a handful of survivors uh, too from this. And I, I do remember them saying like, they're not sure if they would have done it or not because of, you know, they weren't they they were they weren't there at the time, um, for whatever circumstance. But they said it would it would have probably been a really tough decision had they been there. I mean, and it's and you're watching it happen to other people because they. Um, well, I can get to that and. Yeah, yeah. Feel free. With, <laughs> yeah, with, feel free <laughs> with how it actually happens. Um, yeah. you know, I think I think a lot of this. I definitely don't think everyone was like. Yeah, you're right. We should do this. I think it's a lot of that sunk cost fallacy of I've already spent so much time and effort. I've given you all my money. I I have nothing left. If I go back to the U.S., okay, then what? And if you're telling me, you know, there's a race war and all this stuff going on in the U.S., so I'm going back to that. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't, I definitely don't think, you know, everyone was in agreement but I think you kind of get to this point where, you know, what else, what else can I do? Or if you've just watched, you know, a mother, um, you know, give something to her baby, mm-hmm. you know, how, I mean, the guilt and the guilt that the survivors have, you know, that yeah. they didn't speak up, they didn't do things. But you start looking around. I mean, there are people around them holding guns while this conversation is happening. You, you're to a point where you're like, okay, well, if I don't drink the Kool-Aid, then they're going to shoot me. These are my options. And I think that's so weird, too, because he always said that there was no guns there, but obviously there was, like, clearly. Oh, absolutely. 
Um, and I don't, I don't know at what point the guns came because, you know, a lot of the survivors have talked about, you know, they didn't, they didn't notice the guns before this, you know, like one of the um, survivors was like, you know, we were having this conversation. All of a sudden I look around, there's people guarding us with guns mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, you know, so you have this just whole shift, you know, of not only do you feel responsible that, you know, someone and multiple people have been murdered, mm-hmm. but now you're like, you know, well, what are my options here? I, I think, yeah, I think you bring up a great point too, is like, I, I'm sure a lot of people did feel that way where it was like, well, there's, I have nothing left, you know, like I, I don't want to go back to the States cause it's not the greatest there. I gave everything I had to this place. I have, I'm sure probably family members cut off their family members that went there too. So it's like, I have nobody and maybe a couple of like the other people that you consider your friends are feeling the same way where it's just like, you know what, why not at this point? Right. And I mean, you know, and if you're there with, you know, your spouse, your children, a parent, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, you're either going to watch all of them do this and you're not going to do it. You know, I mean, these are these are all and these are all choices that you're having to make in a split second. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a time to prep (laughs) for these things. And, you know, a lot of people didn't think it was real because they had had all these practice mass suicides before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I definitely think, too. I mean, I think there was a good amount of people who's like, I mean, we've done this. This is, I mean, this, this is another day at Jonestown. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but that, that is true. What you're saying, like they did practice as weird as that is, they did practice for that sort of situation. But do you think that they noticed like how it was different though? Do you think they, like they knew that just something like they knew that this was the real deal this time? I don't, I do not personally, this is again, you know, opinion. I don't personally believe it hit them until, so, so the people, so they bring the, the vats um, and they mix cyanide and Valium. And I have read different accounts. It is not important, Mm -hmm. but I have read that the Kool-Aid is fruit punch or grape flavor. Okay. (laughs) I have read more than it is grape, but I have also read so Whatever kind they had, right? Yep. So they mix all this stuff together. But again, you know, this is, this for them at this point is routine. Yeah. You know, this, I mean, and I definitely think people may have thought it was different, but I think, I don't think it hit them until, so they started with the babies first. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had like syringes and they put it in their mouth and, you know, they were told that this was going to be they were going to fall asleep, right? This is how this is going to work. It was going to be peaceful. And they were all going to kind of drift off yep. into this sleep state. It was not like that at all. No. The babies were crying and, you know, it, it was horrible. Oh, yeah. I want to yeah. into too many details, you know, yeah. but it was, it was not this peaceful thing, you know? Well, if you just did this to one of your children, doesn't matter how you're feeling at that point. What are you going to do from there? Exactly. Are you going to live with you've done this? Um, so they started with the babies, then started with the children, and then the adults, you know, whether they helped each other um, or just with, like, their own family units or or however they did it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you will see in the photos and things that, you know, there are, if you'll see a mom who has her hand over all of her children or, you know, mm-hmm. they will be um, holding each other. And so, you know, you see this, this just horrible, you know, result. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like it's, it's, it's pretty tough to like, look at the, like the videos and in the, in the pictures and everything like that and to fathom like something like this actually happened. Like it's, it's pretty powerful stuff where it's, it, it's mind boggling that like something like this could have ever happened. And that kind of like brings us back to it where like the things that he was like, he was saying and like how many, like just the kind of guy he was to like, to his followers where he could say stuff and and they would do this. Like it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And it's, it just goes to show you too, that like, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's like people will just want, you know, like the best thing for them and to have someone like take advantage of them like that. It's just horrible. Like it's, it's not, it's not great in any sort of way. And I mean, and I think the really scary part is, you know, that, you know, a lot of people have this, a misconception that people who get involved with cults are, you know, unstable, not bright, not smart. You know, they have this idea of who could possibly get get into this. But then you realize, you know, but then you watch these videos of these children and these adults. I mean, you know, some of these people are really bright people, you know, who I mean, they came and they built things and they they built a town in a jungle. Yeah. You know, and this could have been anybody ultimately yeah and i think that's the scariest part about it is you know i don't think anyone went to jonestown knowing that this was going to happen i mean the woman in georgetown who got the word to commit suicide she slit her children's throats Mm. Mm. i mean you know how do you and you know we're talking about this and you're like speechless how do you do that but you know it's like anything else he didn't start this from day one. You know, you look back at that arc and you're like, when when I hear the beginning, I'm like, you know what? I would have joined that. I don't think I would have gotten this far. But, <laughs> you know, you start kind of piecing the story together and it's not as black and white as people try to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I, I this is kind of getting a little off off subject, but I knew I do know Tristan had a question for for you. I don't know if you'll be able to answer it though. <laughs> Go ahead, Tristan. I was a uh, I was curious about Mister Muggs, if you know anything about Mr. that. Mister Muggs. Mm-mm. He he was apparently a chimpanzee that was like the mascot for Jonestown. Um, apparently, um, Jim Jones had a been a door-to-door chimpanzee salesman before the church. I didn't, that's apparently a thing in the fifties. Um, but apparently he was a member of the group and they'd shot him before they actually, um, took all the fruit punch Kool-Aid, if you will. Um, I didn't know if you knew anything more about that. It was something I'd kind of read leading up to this that I just, I couldn't not, I couldn't let that go. <laughs> the fact they had a chimpanzee mascot with them. I didn't know if there's anything you'd heard about that. So I have not read or seen anything with him and a chimpanzee. I'm not saying didn't have one. Um, I just know that and I have not. And I feel like that would be a pretty important thing that I I would need to know. If something I, I have not read that anywhere or seen that anywhere. I'm not saying that that is not a thing and that would have broken my heart in all kinds of different ways. Okay. 
Yeah, that, that one hurt. Um, to be fair, I found it from a Rolling Stones article about 13 things you didn't know about it. Most of it was pretty straightforward stuff that I feel like most people heard from the story. Um, just about his, his childhood and you know, things like that, mostly. And the nuclear, him moving to California because he feared nuclear war, stuff like that. But the one that really stood out was Mr. Muggs the Chimpanzee. Um, I've I feel never like heard if, the if name. That's something that you've heard about. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's something that needs to be talked about. The fact that they had a pet chimpanzee with them. Yeah, I know. I know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna search after we're finished with this, um, Mr. Muggs. Because I feel like that is a that is an important part to the story. I mean, I know we're talking about over 900 people who did this, but that's also also important. Because he apparently yes. had um he had the intelligence of a four year old child is the way I read it and it just it just seems hard to ignore is all I'm saying. Well, I feel I feel like you know with all of the you know interviews and things I've seen, no one has mentioned. Now again, other things were going on at the time may not be relevant, you know, but I haven't seen that. But I am definitely going going to look it up. Well, yeah, you think that that would be almost, I'm not going to say like a highlight, but you think that would be something that like would have like had pictures of or like, you know, like a little bit more publicized in a way where it was like, and look at the animals that are a part of our community too, you know, in some sort of way. Yeah. I mean, and that, you know, they had livestock. I mean, they had, and I don't, I don't, when they say livestock, I'm like, okay, but like, like livestock like cows and chickens or like livestock they consider livestock there like panthers tigers well, like what <laughs> maybe they, maybe they meant mr muggs as yeah, livestock. It's part of that i just feel like i would have needed that to be clarified and that would have not gone under livestock i feel but again you know other things were going on i just yeah i haven't ever seen that but i am certainly curious now yeah, it's definitely something I want to know more about. Yeah, right? <laughs> now, how long was it before anyone noticed, or I'm not going to say noticed, but how long was it before the like the authorities got wind of this and went to Jonestown? So it was not very long. So there were a few survivors who either ran into the woods while this was happening. Um, one older woman hid under her bed. Um... You know, there were a few people who pretty immediately went now again in the jungle and seven miles away. So you might still be looking at a few uh -huh. hours, but you know, they're they, you know, alerted them <laughs> as quickly as you can get. Okay. You know, it was now yeah. now when the US got involved, I don't I'm not sure at what point, you know, okay. the US came down and you know, because I mean and you see those aerial shots and things. I think people were just so, I mean, stunned. I mean, what do you do? You know, it's, it's yeah. there's so many people and you're trying to make heads or tails of this. It's, I mean, those aerial shots were taken and I just, you know, it just seems like it's so somber and, you know, people just get speechless. Yeah. Now, do you think, now, now do you think something like this could happen nowadays i had i had a debate with someone about this for probably like an hour going back and forth now my my thoughts on it are yes i feel like something like this could happen nowadays but i want i want your opinion on it as well interesting you too um i think 
A hundred percent, yes. I think as long as we have people who are desperate and looking for purpose, looking for something, looking for connection. I mean, we live in a time that is so disconnected from each other, but yet we're the most connected that we've ever been, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and you get so many people who are looking for community and looking for a group of people and a family, if you will. And so many of these, you know, cults are really good at love bombing and bringing people in and making them feel special and included. Um, I mean, I definitely could see something like this happening. Tristan, what do you think? Oh, I I completely agree. I feel like it's scary to think about with how individualistic we've become in more modern society, I guess. But I mean, people are always willing to like relinquish themselves to someone they believe that has all the answers. It's just like this innate thing in people to always look to a leader. Um, and if you're frustrated, especially like in the time period that was going on then, it's I think a little bit easier, which is why a lot of things pop up around that time is the world was very unstable. So it's really easy to look for answers somewhere else. I mean, but the thing is, like, the world has never really been stable. You know, we, we kind of put on rose-colored goggles about today, but, I mean, it's still not stable. Mm-hmm. So I think it's super-duper easy for people to believe in someone who has all these good ideals. Because, I mean, look at Jim Jones. Like, the the start of it, it was super, super good. Like, you know, all these people are coming together. They're from all these different backgrounds and races and ages. Like, you know, they're talking about all these, like, socialistic kind of ideals of just, like, let's be a community, let's help each other. I mean, that appeals to absolutely everybody until you start putting it, you know, into practice. And I feel like that's the type of thing that it could be, it's probably going on right now, to be honest with you. It just hasn't blown up yet. Oh, of course. And, I mean, you know, cults are, cults are happening all the time. I mean, I knew, you know, a guy who I grew up with who ended up um, in Asheville, North Carolina, on some commune, right? You know, it... He, he lived with a group of other people, is what uh-huh. I was told. Okay, so a cult, yes. Yeah, because he was living, you know, in, like, the mountains. And, you know, there's so many. And we talk about Jonestown because that, that is one of the biggest. And so many other cults have followed in some of their footsteps and I think has used this as almost a textbook for how to run their cults. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that they're, they're all around. And there's so many more than people you know, have no idea about. And I have read stories about things that are honestly way more terrifying than Jonestown, if I can be totally... Yeah. <laughs> not Now that Jonestown was not a tragedy and was not terrible, but people, people, people are capable of doing awful things. And, you oh, know... And, yeah, no, and when yeah. you throw in, you know, these tactics that you know what to do, you know, you isolate someone, you take them away from their support system, you make them tired, you know, you take their whole paycheck, so they have to depend on you. Um, you know, you take them away from if they have children, you know, you, you take them away from everything they know and love, and you don't allow them any way out. I mean, I definitely... Yeah. This... This, this happens more, and, it's, and I think it's even harder to detect nowadays and how big scale some of these things are because, I mean, you have, I can sit, nowadays I can sit on my computer and connect with people across the world and never leave my living room who can share my views, whether those, how skewed those views may be. Mm-hmm. So if they're planning something that we do online, you know, we can do that. And no one would have no idea how big scale it is. 
Well, that's that's actually I want to bring that up real quick. Is that I feel like it could it, it. You're probably right. It's probably something that is happening right now. But I feel like to get a thousand people to move to a completely different country, thousands of miles away, I think is a hard thing to sell. And it takes a certain person to do that. So I think that's the only challenging part. And I think that'd be the only thing that would probably be like, I don't know if, I don't know if anyone could get a thousand people to do that. But I think like what you'd brought up, this was something that took years and it took time. So I think given that aspect of it, where it's like you have like 10, 15 years of that buildup, or maybe not even that long, but it's it's to that point where, you know, I have this group now, everyone trusts me and everything. Okay, now we can move because everyone will listen to everything that I say. I think that would be the only thing where I would be like, I don't know if that could happen nowadays. But then again, yeah, I think it would just be something that would take maybe a little bit of time. I, I got to be honest, I disagree. Um, I feel like it'd be easier to do nowadays. I just feel like most of the major, if you could call them cults or whatnot, they're more interested in the financial gains than they are what Jim Jim Jones was just fucking crazy as part of it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a huge aspect that you need to remember. And I feel like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of modern cults going on right now, super popular ones. I mean, look at evangelism, look at Scientology. We had a person we were talking about um, with uh, Mormonism mm. to a lesser extent. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like a lot of those people don't really have malicious intents necessarily. Maybe with Scientology being the exception, it's more just about money like for evangelism for example i mean those people are the people who lead those churches are millionaires so they're they're fine they're not they're not worried about running away to guyana because they don't need to everything they're doing is perfectly legal and they're just siphoning money from people where jim jones had this cult of personality thing going on and i feel like the modern environment with how the internet works is almost just waiting for something like that to happen um because it'd be a lot easier to organize thousands of people rather than 1,000. We're talking thousands of people across the country could be much more easily organized into something like that in the modern day than it was back in the 70s. Look, he was a, he was a original influencer, you know? You know, the, the, the yeah, exactly, original, exactly, yeah. the original one. I mean, I mean and, and you're right, you know, so many people, you know, I mean, how many, how many influencers do you see who have millions of followers that I mean, are a load of shit. Let's be honest. You know that. I, I mean, know. especially you know, like this wellness stuff that people get into and all this. I mean, that you're looking, you're like, how do these people not know what what is going on? No. I, all right. I, all right. I, I'll agree. I'll agree. I'll give you guys that one. All right. <laughs> and I would like to, if it's okay, to go over numbers. Is that okay? Just to because because uh, I think that's important for the yeah mm -hmm. yeah go victims. for it. Um, so. Um, 909 people died, um, in Jonestown, 267 of those were children and babies. Um, four people died at the Georgetown headquarters. That was the mother and her three children. Um, and in total it was 918. So that would, that would oh, include wow. those who died, um, at the, uh, airstrip. Why is that word so hard? At the airstrip. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's uh, um, worth mentioning at the Georgetown Temple, um, two of them were young children that were killed. And if I understand correctly, the other two was the mother and then yes. her eldest daughter was like, I think yes. in her 20s. 
And if I understand it correctly, they slit each other's throat. Like it was a mutual suicide thing where they killed each other. Yes. Mom helped the daughter first and, you know, tried to do hers herself and have, I think, as much help as daughter could do. And Jim Jones uh, was too much of a baby to drink the Kool-Aid. And so he shot himself. Like, I feel like he was sick enough that he... That he waited a little while, you know, like, like I feel like didn't didn't someone shoot him? Didn't wasn't it that he he couldn't do it himself, so he had someone else shoot him so in the head? I have read that he did it himself. Now that okay, that, however, somewhat you know he was shot, but like I feel like he waited. Like in my mind, in my heart, you know, he walked around, mm-hmm. saw what he accomplished. In his mind, I think, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that felt better to him than than admitting failure. In a sense, you know, I felt like in this way, you know, yeah. he he chose this. So I think he felt like he won. And I think he sat, hadn't sat with that for a little while and then either had, you know, whoever else was with him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, his wife and children who were there did drink the Kool-Aid. The punch. And then his wife wait till all the children were dead too. Like that was because that's her big thing, right? Like she was obsessed with helping the children. She was super proud of the yes. hospital and the school and everything. And she was like super resistant until the like she was causing a big fuss mm-hmm. until the children died. And then mm-hmm. after all the children were dead, she was just like, All right, fuck it. Like I'll take the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I mean it's kinda like I mean, what's the point? I mean, how do you live with that? Uh, you know, one of the survivors, yeah. um, and I forget his name, but you know, his wife and child and I think it was her parent was there, but I mean, he, you know, he was one of the ones who ran off into the woods as this was unfolding and I mean, lost his whole family, you know? I mean, and I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you go on with that. And didn't, didn't a gunman make it onto the plane as well? I saw a documentary about that where like one of the ones like getting off, he had um, pretended to be a defector, but he wasn't. And then he was sentenced to like 18 years in prison for attempted homicide or something to that effect. But he'd made it on the plane and started shooting off the gun before they could leave the airstrip. I think I read something about that too. Yeah. I remember I saw his picture. He was a, he was a wily looking son of a gun, but... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure I'm sure bathing was not as high up on the list of uh yeah. as maybe some of the other things were. Yeah, right. Well that combined with that seventies look, like everyone had that long, kind of crazy wily hair thing. That's, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Aesthetic going on. So I think I think we've pretty much covered everything there is to know about Georgetown. I'm sure there's plenty more where we could we could sit here and talk about this for hours. Um, final thoughts, though, as far as the Georgetown and everything about it. Brooke, do you have any final thoughts? Any last words? Um, I think it's really interesting that four of Jim Jones' children survived or lived and, you know, haven't heard a whole lot. You know, I think they are... I think they have left the cult business. So I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty good. glad about that. I think that, you know, I think that kind of stopped with Jim. Um, and I just, you know, want people to be careful. You know, always ask the question yeah. that anyone who takes you away from your support system, always question it. <laughs> yeah, right. Tristan? I just want to say that. I just think it's really sad, um, ultimately. I, I just think that it's really sad that, how common something like that is and how easy it is to, I mean, it was an extreme case obviously because of Jim Jones being the person it is, 
he was. Um, I just think that it's really sad just how easy it can be for something like that to get started. I would, I would agree. I, I, I feel bad that, that, that this had to happen. I mean, no, I'm not gonna say this had to happen, but this, I feel bad that this happened. It shouldn't have, we talked about this at the very beginning. I, there should have been someone at the very, when he was very young to step in and to do something about this before this escalated to the point where it was at. And this is why it kind of falls into this, this mystery, mystery, like unsolved kind of unknown stories that we're covering in February. Like we will never really know why the, as to why this actually had to happen or why it happened, why Jim Jones felt the way he, he did into making all his followers do this. It's, it's pretty sad. Um, but I, we really appreciate all of our listeners for you know taking the time to take a listen. Brooke, thank you so much for coming on to the show and telling us all this all this great knowledge that you, you told us a lot of things that I, I was not aware of. So thank you for that. Um, feel free to come on to the show anytime. I'm sure there's probably other things that you know. You said you're you're pretty into the the criminal stuff, like as far as not like you're into criminal yes, stuff. That sounded I do bad. Crimes. <laughs> yes. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah. You you uh you do your research in the criminal world and everything. So when we cover more subjects like this, I'm definitely gonna reach out to you. I, I hope you take the opportunity to come back on. Uh, again, thank you for all our listeners. Um, if you enjoyed what you listened to, please check out our social media pages to stay up to date with the latest content and episodes that will be published. And stop by again next week for our most interesting stories, mysteries, and unexplained occurrences in this world. And remember, we aren't looking for things that are normal. We want stuff that's effing weird. Take care.